John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place, and I go and prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Father God, as we approach your word now, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be guiding us, opening our eyes to what you have for us this morning, giving us ears to hear and encouraging our hearts, Lord, that we might find certain confidence in your faithfulness to your promises, in who you are and in what you have done for us through Christ Jesus, in proving your love to us when Jesus laid down his life for us and you raised him again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When Phillips, Philip Brooks, uh, the man who wrote the well-known Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, when he was sick and on his deathbed, he requested his nurses to send every one of his visitors away, including his closest family and friends. But when an acquaintance of his came to visit, a man named Robert Ingersoll, a very outspoken atheist, when he came to visit, Philip made the exception and told his nurses to send him in right away. And when Ingersoll came in to Philip's room, he said, I appreciate this very much, especially when you aren't even letting in your friends and your closest family members. To which Philip replied, well, that's because I'm confident of seeing them in the next world. But this may be my last chance to see you. Even on his deathbed, Philip had great confidence in Christ. Confidence that changed the way he viewed his circumstances and the way he viewed the world around him. And that's what confidence in Christ does. It changes the way we view our circumstances and our situation in life. Now, of course, that's not to say that we have to ignore our feelings. We will still have hard times. It's okay for us to be upset, sad, worried, all those kinds of things, all those normal human emotions. But if our confidence is in Christ, then we have a hope that is greater than whatever we are going through in this life. And in the verses that we're looking to, at today, Jesus is reminding firstly his disciples, but then also all who follow Jesus of this hope, as he encourages those who trust in him that he is the ultimate hope, that they can have confidence in him even when their hearts are troubled. Because God is always faithful to his promises. 
Now, when Jesus originally said these words, he and his disciples, for they were in the upper room celebrating the Lord's Supper for the very first time during the Passover festival. Now, during that meal, Jesus predicted that Judas would betray him, that Peter would deny him three times, and that he would soon lay down his life. And so it's not hard to imagine at all why his disciples were starting to be troubled. For three years they had travelled around with Jesus. For three years they had pinned all of their hopes in this life and the next on him. But now as Jesus spoke of Judas's betrayal, Peter's denial and him dying for them, well, their faith in him, their trust in him began to waver. And as their confidence wavered, they began to feel more and more anxious. They didn't know where Jesus was going or how long he would be there or what all this meant for them. Because of this uncertainty, understandably, their hearts began to be troubled. Back in chapter 13, Peter had asked Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus replied, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the cock crows, you'll disown me three times. The disciples were confused and anxious and on edge about what Jesus had just said. And none of them more than Peter, who would have been devastated by Jesus' words that he would deny him three times. Soon Jesus would be arrested, he would be tried, and then he would be crucified and laid in a tomb. The disciples would be scattered and left disillusioned, not knowing which way to turn. And so as Jesus prepares his beloved disciples for what was about to take place, he gave them these words so that they would be ready for the turmoil that was about to take place. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus is encouraging them to hold on to the hope they have in Christ Jesus. Even when everything seems to be falling apart, even when everyone was telling them they were mad for doing so, even when their own hearts were tempted to distrust him, to fall into fear. Jesus was reminding them who he is as the promised one. He was reminding them that they can trust in him. Jesus was warning his disciples against having the kind of fear that would lead them to a lack of faith. He was warning them not to despair in this time of turmoil. Because during this time of suffering while Jesus was in the grave, they would not be without hope. Because God is always faithful to his promises. Now, it's remarkable that Jesus said these words, not to let their hearts be troubled, at a time when he had just 
if you, if you flip over the page, you'll see it's only just after, after he had predicted Judas's betrayal. It's only just after he had predicted that Peter would deny him three times. Jesus had only just been betrayed, and he knew that his closest, one of his closest disciples was about to deny him three times, and yet his heart did not waver. His confidence in God's promise did not budge at all. Jesus himself was no stranger to being troubled. Back in chapter 13, Jesus was troubled because he knew that Judas would soon betray him. He was troubled because of the effects of sin that had so corrupted the heart of this man. Back in chapter 12, Jesus was troubled as he told the disciples about how he would lay down his life for them. Jesus was troubled at times, but he wasn't troubled to a point where his faith wavered. Jesus was troubled so that we might have peace. He took our trouble on himself and he died for it on the cross. And so as Jesus encourages his disciples and those who follow Jesus today to not let their hearts be troubled, he was pointing us to a peace that he purchased with his blood when he took our troubles on himself and laid them on the cross. Verses 2 and 3, Jesus says these words. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Now, these are verses that I've heard, and I'm sure you have heard, read at funerals many, many times. And the reason that people read these verses at funerals is because they, well, they encompass the good news of the Christian hope, the hope of those who trust in Jesus, of eternal life in the presence of God. Jesus knew that the victory that he would achieve on the cross would feel like defeat to the disciples as he lay in that tomb. And so to help them to hold on to the confidence they have in him, Jesus remind them of the hope, the hope they have of going home. I'm sure you've all heard the old saying, home is where the heart is. The home is where we go to be with the people we love. In the same way, heaven is where we go to be with the Saviour we love. Our hope isn't in some vague notion of a future paradise, but in spending eternity with the one who has proved his love for us by dying in our place. And he has given us the hope of life in him by rising again. As Jesus said these words, he was reassuring his disciples in a time when they were deeply troubled. That even though their situation felt hopeless, as Jesus laid down his life, they were not facing this storm without hope. Because their hope of one day 
finding a home with him, continued or remained. In verses 4 and 6, Jesus says, You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus replied, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You just about hear the frustration in Thomas's voice as he says these words. All the disciples knew for sure was that Jesus had told them that he was soon about to go away and that he would lay down his life. They didn't understand why this had to happen and they didn't understand what this meant for them. And so to reassure his beloved disciples, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What Jesus was saying is that the path to salvation isn't so much about a where, not so much about a place. That isn't so much the Christian hope. That's only a part of it. It's about a who. It's not so much about getting to that destination as it is about walking with Christ along the way. When Tamara finished school and began studying at Business College in Canberra, I drove from Forbes to Canberra just about every single weekend to be to spend time with her. I was young and I drove a very fast car at the time. And so I was all about getting to my destination. While my future father-in-law had a very different approach to mine. Around the same time, he also made quite a number of trips to go and settle his daughter into Canberra. But he enjoyed the journey so much that he would get out his old paper maps and he would work out a different route to go every single time and a different spot to have a cup of tea along the way. And he would enjoy the journey. I was all about getting there as quick as I could while he was content to take his time and enjoy the journey. And that's what Jesus is talking about as he says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is not only the destination, but he is with us along the way. He is the way into a right relationship with God. He is with those who trust in him right here and right now as we travel along this journey. He is opening up the truths of God's word through his spirit right here and right now. And he is giving us life in him, not just for eternity, but right now. We can have confidence in our future hope of life forever in Christ because that hope is not only a future hope, but it's right here and now. Jesus is the one and only way to the Father. There's nothing less than God himself laying down his life in our place could have freed us from the guilt of our sins. A Welsh poet and pastor named John Dyer once wrote, A man can go to heaven without health, without riches, without honour, without learning, without friends, but he can never go there without Christ. 
Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so those who trust in him can have confidence, confidence of the eternal inheritance that is waiting for them. They can have confidence that God will hear their prayers day or night whenever they call out to him. And they can have confidence because this hope is not only a future hope, but it is right here and now. It's completely understandable that the disciples were troubled by Jesus' words. They had invested much of their life, three years of their life, into this hope. They had left heaps of things. They had left family. They had left friends. They had left their employment, all for the sake of the gospel, all because of this hope. But as Jesus told them that he would soon go away, that he would lay down his life, it's understandable that they began to wonder if this hope would actually be fulfilled. In these verses, Jesus is telling them and us that we can have confidence that is greater than our circumstances. Even when it appears as though everything we have put our hope in is falling apart. I can't imagine a time that would look more like that than while Jesus was in the grave. Jesus was able to reassure his disciples that they could hold on to this hope even when it looked like everything had fallen apart. Because Jesus is not just our future, not just our destination, but he is here with us along the way, showing us the truth in his word, giving us life in him now. So today, whether you are troubled or whether you are rejoicing over this wonderful hope, know that we have a hope that cannot be taken away. Not because of anything we do, but because this hope is guaranteed by Christ's blood. It's guaranteed by the faithfulness of God to his promises. And it's a hope that we can rest in, no matter what we are going through in this life. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for the hope we have in Christ Jesus, the solid rock that will not be blown away or to and fro by any storm. Lord, we thank you that even though we waver, even though we lose sight of this hope, your hope remains. Lord, we pray that whether we are troubled today or will be on other days, that when those times of troubles come, when storms hit our lives, Lord, we would return to the solid rock, to our solid hope that we have in you. And we thank you that you are with us along the way, that our hope is not just a future hope, but that you are here with us now, that you care for us now, that you care about whatever we are going through, so, Lord, we give you the glory and the honour and the praise due your name for the salvation that you achieve for us through your death in our place so that we who were 
you once your enemies might know freedom in Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen.